I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mr. Chairman and Commissioners. We are pleased to present this notice of proposed rulemaking that is intended to ensure the availability to consumers of competitive sources of equipment used to access pay TV programming, as the Commission is directed to do by Section 6.9 of the Communications Act. On Thursday, February 18th, the Federal Communications Commission passed a notice of proposed rulemaking that would require so-called multi-channel video programming distributors, that's cable and satellite companies to most folks, to allow third-party hardware makers to create their own set-top boxes. This would give consumers an alternative to the status quo of perpetually renting set-top boxes from the likes of Comcast and Time Warner Cable. The hope, according to proponents of the measure, is that by introducing competition into the set-top box market, consumers will necessarily see lower prices and maybe, just maybe, see these devices enter the 21st century. But is that all consumers can expect? To better understand what's at stake, I reached out to a few people to ask why the FCC is taking action now and to determine what consumers can do today to put an end to the tyranny of the set-top box. I'm Nicholas DeLeon, the editor of Short Circuit, Motherboard's consumer tech section, and this is Radio Motherboard. Uh, so I guess, uh, yeah, so as you know, uh, the FCC recently floated a proposal to basically introduce competition uh, into the set-top box market. Uh, and the FCC's general idea, as far as I understand, is to make it so that you know, just as today, you can you can buy your own cable modem, you can buy your own smartphone and connect it to Verizon or connect it to T-Mobile. Uh, the hope is that one day you'll be able to buy your own, you know, cable set-top box from, you know, whoever company, so you don't have to, you know, rent these things in perpetuity. Uh, is, is, is that, generally speaking, what's happening here? And, and what are your sort of overall thoughts on, on the, the floated proposal so far? That's John Bergemeyer, a senior staff attorney at Public Knowledge, a D.C.-based nonprofit that promotes the open internet and access to affordable communications tools. Your comparison to other networks uh, where you have a division, basically, where you have the network and you buy your service from the network and then you buy equipment from you know, a competitive market of equipment providers, I think that's exactly the right uh, framework. Um, what the FCC is really trying to do is to say that, you know, we know that 99% of people currently rent their cable set-top boxes from their provider, uh, despite the fact that we've had a system called Cable Card uh, in place for a while that's supposed to uh, promote competition. It hasn't entirely worked out, right. as the numbers show. Uh, people are paying uh, cumulatively about $20 billion in rental fees. Uh, so in addition to the money, though, there's just also a lack of innovation on the video device side. 
we see in other areas of electronics when you have a competitive market, when you have smartphones and tablets that aren't just rented from your ISP, um, we see all kinds of innovation, different manufacturers uh, introducing new features, lower prices, and so on. Uh, meanwhile, the cable box world uh, remains pretty stagnant year after year. Uh, so in addition to the lack of innovation, you have high prices. And now with online video, you have a lot of people who are mixing and matching video from a lot of sources. Uh, a lot of the most important programming uh, that you know mainstream people want, in fact, most Americans still want, uh, there are a lot of cord cutters in the younger and tech-savvy uh, demographic. But when you look at like the overall numbers nationwide, uh, cable and satellite TV are still, are still very dominant. Um, you have people who want to mix and match, though. They want to watch programming from different sources. The cable box is simply not going to give you the option to watch programming from a competitor to cable. And the hope is that when you open up competition, you're going to have devices is that really promote video competition itself that actually promote competitors to cable by allowing people to do in a seamless interface, uh, access content from various sources. Great. And uh, I mean, as to be expected, a lot of the cable companies are sort of resisting this. Uh, can you give us any, any sort of reason why? Is, is it just a money thing? Are they just addicted to these rental fees and, you know, they'll, they'll claw and scratch to sort of prevent? I mean, they'll, they'll always couch it as like, oh, you know, outside government, government regulation, you know, we don't need that type of thing. Is that, is that basically what their argument is, is that, you know, uh, this, is, this, is a money, this, is, this is money for us and we don't want to give that up? I mean, obviously, they're not going to say that, you know, outright, but is that basically what's going on here? I mean, they're companies, so their argument probably always comes down to money, and rental fees are a big part of that. Uh, with cable companies, they have a lot of market power, but they find it sometimes difficult to just raise fees, you know, outright in a way that is advertised and you know. So so what they do is there's a, a very common tactic called below the line fees where you have the service for cable, but then on top of that there's a service for a box and then there's a a, a rental fee for another box. And then if you want a box with HD, which is frankly just, you know, the basic technology for all set top boxes now, it shouldn't be extra. Nevertheless, they charge you extra for it. Right. In addition to all kinds of other miscellaneous fees. And it's a way of padding out uh, the bill while making it seem like they're not actually raising the rates on the cable bundle per se, which they also do. Uh, so I think money is an important part of it just in terms of the direct rental fees. But I think more fundamentally than that, uh, when they control the box, when they specifically control the user interface that you see on the box, uh, that itself is a financial opportunity for cable companies. Um, remember, a set-top box is essentially just like a computer that's in your living room. Um, and if your cable company can require that you use their computer that attaches to your TV, there's all kinds of like ancillary things that you can do with it. Uh, for example, a lot of cable companies are moving into home security and home automation and you know what if they feel like they have the opportunity to become you know the hub for smart devices in your home instead of uh, an apple or a google or an amazon type company right. i know that's a big opportunity for them and it's a financial opportunity um it's a little bit orthogonal to maybe the video the rental fees themselves but i think it's still very important to them uh and not only that just when you're just looking just at the video component of the set-top box when they control what you see, they have the ability to sort of funnel people to particular content. So, you know, maybe the top third of your screen is ads. They can sell that ad space. When you're looking at your favorites or your recommendations, you know, maybe their boxes have a, a pay-to-play model where, you know, the things that are recommended to you will come from preferred content partners, uh, which explains maybe why some of the large content companies, uh, 
you know, even though they, they battle with cable sometimes over, over fees, ultimately they like this arrangement too, because it gives them, you know, they can buy their way uh, to the front of the line ahead of, uh, ahead of independent programming. Um, so I'm looking at, I, I do think it's ultimately a matter of money for the cable companies and, and for all the pay TV operators. Uh, at the same time, I do, I also think that the money story is, is uh, deeper than just the rental fees. Okay. And it, it's funny how uh, Chairman Wheeler had said in in, uh, in an interview somewhere that you know it's it's not we're not you know we're not trying to be bad guys here we're not trying to ruin the cable company's day this is all about competition and I don't know how often do you hear the cable companies say that oh we're in favor of competition and you know you know competition creates creates the best environment and here's the FCC saying okay well why don't you put your money where your mouth is so to speak we'll create an environment where you know Comcast and the Time Warner cables of the world you know you don't automatically have a default lock on the cable box you'll have to be be competing against you know for example uh google or roker or whoever it is that comes out it's like well there's your competition uh where where's the problem there Sure. I mean, that's a big advantage of our proposal is that, you know, it's very important to realize it doesn't really change anything about the cable boxes themselves. They're still free to design their boxes as they want. They're still free to rent them to consumers. Uh, there's going to be a lot of consumers out there, I imagine, who just simply find it easier just to get everything from one supplier, right? Just to say, you know, you just come by, give me your box. Uh, maybe they could get a better deal elsewhere, but, you know, maybe it's not worth it to a particular consumer. So they're they're still free to compete. I think they have an inbuilt advantage that, uh, you know, they're going to be still market their own devices and not the devices of their competitors. And I think their boxes will will basically have to compete on the merits. And I think that uh, can't but be a good thing. Right, of course. And what's, and I, I do see a lot of the early coverage really is, uh, I mean, I guess to, to be expected, but it really is sort of focused on the idea that, oh, you know, one day your cable box will be cheaper. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's not just about cheaper cable boxes. I've spoken to some folks where you know the idea is that well you know if if cable boxes are cheaper or or there's more competition that will you know necessarily increase the number of people who are able to you know subscribe to cable TV and create a more diverse sort of uh, you know viewership and as as diversity increases we'll start seeing you know more diverse programming on television it, it it's not just like oh this is cheaper that's great there's a whole lot of like you know ancillary benefits to having competition in the in the in, in the set top boxes can you sort of explain uh, what sort of benefits that may not necessarily be obvious when you just see the headline, you know, oh, cheaper cable boxes, that's great. Well, first first of all, I do think there's actually a benefit to cable. I mean, there have been studies of cord cutters asking them, you know, what if you were able to use your own device or, you know, control the way that you uh, access your cable services or if there was a little bit more flexibility there, would you... Uh, would you still have cut the cord? And there's a lot of people, you know, that would have kept them on cable. There's a lot of people who are currently cord cutters that might become cable subscribers, you know, if they can access all of the cable content in a convenient way, for example, on an app on an Apple TV type device. Uh, so I think that's a big benefit just to cable. Obviously, they don't agree. Uh, however, uh, I also think it would be good for programmers. Uh, when you're talking about diversity of programmers, you know, the big, the biggest programmers like Fox, Viacom, Disney, you know, like I said, they have a sometimes contentious relationship with cable, but ultimately it's a it's a relationship that works, I think, for both sides, uh, and they get included. A lot of the smaller and independent programmers, either they have to give up a lot to get carried by cable. For example, they have to agree not to sell their content online or to explore new business models, uh, or they just don't get paid as much, or they don't get the same level of promotion. So a lot of the independent programmers find it very hard to get on the cable. This could increase their leverage by saying to cable, you know what, it's going to be easier to bypass you now if people if more people have devices 
devices that can just mix online content with with cable content. And then for those programmers who are not uh, currently carried by cable, it's a huge benefit to them because now they have the ability to be treated sort of as sort of equal citizens with with cable content on the devices that a lot of people are going to use. And I think that's a big benefit um, in terms of giving both content creators new outlets and avenues to reach viewers and also just giving viewers access to more diverse content or content that just for whatever reason doesn't make sense on the cable bundle. When you're talking about like features uh, and innovation, we see a lot of devices out there that come from uh, you know electronics companies that do things that you know maybe the cable companies for whatever reason don't do themselves. You look at a company like TiVo who re- was really an innovator in uh, digital recording. You know, actually having a set top box with a big hard drive in it that recorded shows. And not only that, you know, people often talk about like the recommend the the recording feature of TiVo. It also was a big pioneer in just recommending recommendations like you like this show and this show maybe you'll like that show and I'll preemptively record it and that's the kind of innovation you see when there's competition and people who are not affiliated with uh, the cable companies producing devices um, and you know like I said before if if you're searching for a program and it's on cable but you're also a Hulu or a Netflix subscriber and it's available to watch there why shouldn't your device let you know that and just give you the option to start watching it right away instead instead of waiting for later uh, you see exactly these sorts of features on devices like the streaming only devices uh, you know like I said because they can't access cable content I think they tend to appeal to a more techie kind of audience but when you see that the Apple TV the new Apple TV already has universal search so if you search for a movie and you have the Netflix app installed and the HBO app installed and the Hulu app installed and it's also on iTunes you search for the movie it shows you all the results and you choose where to watch it and you know Apple might be losing some money if you're not buying the movie from them instead you're watching it uh, on Netflix which you're already paying for but you know at the same time the device is a better device because of it and you're more likely to recommend that other people buy that device so I think you know, aligning the incentives of companies is a big sort of focus of uh, what public knowledge does as a consumer group uh, you just want to make sure that companies have as their motivation making products that are good for consumers uh, and competitive markets tend to do that uh, Uh, a lot more than the monopoly markets that we're used to in the cable side. Now, being that the set-top box proposal is an FCC initiative, I thought it only made sense to reach out directly to the agency to get a better sense of the home set-top box market and why the FCC needed to step in to help consumers. Two days before the FCC vote on February 18th, I spoke to Commissioner Mignon Clyburn to track down these answers. Well, one of the things that we realize is the fact that 99% of consumers uh, that have a relationship with either their cable or their satellite provider, 99% of them rent a box uh, to the tune of about $200 plus uh, every year. Uh, and some of them um, have voiced um, concerns about what they're getting uh, for that rental. And so what we have been hearing and seeing and what the Congress basically instructed us to do was to create an environment or enhance an environment that there could be competition and innovation. And we have seen this all across the board when it comes to other uh, communications, you know, long distance providers, uh, every other part of this communications ecosystem as has been launched by the 1996 Telecommunications Act. This is the one place where we haven't seen a lot of uh, competition and innovation and choice. 
And this is why we are teeing this item up this week. And why is it that we haven't seen any competition? Is, is it just that the cable companies are, are lazy? I mean, I, I understand this is a, a pretty healthy source of revenue for them. So is, is it just, you know, why, why bother to innovate when you can just sit back and, you know, collect rents effectively? Well, I, I will approach that this way. I'm not going to call anybody, uh, <laughs> you know, lazy. But what I will say is that um, I think maybe the framework coming from this agency um, has not been... Um Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As uh, targeted as maybe it could be. And this is what we do in terms of, our, you know, we're evolving too. You know, we are looking at what Congress mandates us to do and try to come up with ways to help, uh, you know, again, innovate and, and, and fuel competition. And sometimes we're right on target and sometimes maybe uh, we miss it. So we are looking, uh, given all of the things that we've learned from the past, uh, we think that uh, this method to really have a standard setting body come up with the technical rules um, and uh, that will enable innovation is the key uh, to fuel all of uh, the options and opportunities people will have uh, when it comes to choice and when it comes to programming. So I think um, we have learned from the past and um, uh, we are, with this notice, we'll uh, launch a series of, uh, uh, I call it, I jokingly say FCC conversations, but in terms of uh, inputs that I think will, uh, will um, really uh, give uh, consumers um, a, a lot uh, to uh, take home, literally. Right, right. Now, I've seen there has been uh, a good deal of coverage already uh, ever since the uh, Chairman Wheeler sort of uh, first uh, floated the idea, the proposal. But can you sort of take us beyond uh, a lot of the early head a lot of the early headlines where just oh you know the FCC wants to make your cable box cheaper? Uh, what are sort of the ramifications that the FCC sees? You know, once you know, assuming the, the measure passes and it goes into effect, that uh, you know there is in fact competition in the cable uh, cable set top box market. Does it envision, say, you know, uh, a, a greater diversity of cable programming, or, or what sort of changes do you do you see, or do you hope to come out of this? It boils down to one word for uh, for me in terms of this item, and it's choice. You know, people say that when they talk about this communications or technology evolution, the one or oh, the series of positives that I have been hearing is I can do what I want to do almost anytime and anywhere. And I can have access, uh, you know, to almost everything. Um, in this particular uh, realm, however, I don't hear that conversation quite as much. And so what I am hearing is people uh, have been saying, I am paying uh, $150 a month. Uh, I'm paying for this uh, uh, to rent this particular uh, uh, vehicle or this platform or, or this uh, device. And my goodness, I, I don't know what uh, uh, I, I, there's nothing to watch. Right. And that's not everybody, but I hear that more than I hear that from, uh, believe it or not, my mother. I go in, I said, why isn't the TV on? He's like, it's nothing on. Right. So what if 
um, you know, she were further empowered uh, by the, um, you know, programming that is coming through that box? What if she were to, um, you know, be able to, um, you know, uh, navigate and to um, have a menu of options on her own? I'm not saying that I want her to turn into a, a TV junkie. What I am saying, however, is I want her the, to have the options uh, that she felt when she uh, subscribed to this service that she would have. As it stands right now for her and uh, millions of others, um, I have been hearing um, from uh, from a number of people who are saying that their current construct is not one that's giving them the type of diversity of content um, and um, uh, and opportunities uh, to interact uh, that they would like. Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely. I've had uh, several conversations as well, and you know, you you hear people say, you know, I've got you know a thousand channels and there's nothing on. So I do hope that maybe, you know, this can help sort of alleviate that problem a little bit. I, I, I am hopeful uh, that, um, uh, that, that you're right. Again, it is um, how do we stimulate competition? How do we give, um, how do we not hear uh, what uh, we both just uh, mentioned that, um, you know, all of these channels, five, six, 700 channels uh, in nothing uh, to watch. So uh, what we will tee up, and again, this is a notice of a proposed rulemaking that we will keep that we will seek a comment uh, whether or not um, someone uh, could buy that box. Because look, the relationship doesn't have to change uh, with the cable or or satellite provider. Uh, We are not mandating change in that uh, respect. So if you want to continue to lease your box that have the same relationship, if you're satisfied with your service, then uh, you will be able to do so. Um, but for the people that you know, you and I, uh, you know, speak uh, speak to, uh, we are going to ask questions whether or not, uh, you know, and how we can give them an option uh, to not use this device as truly as a navigational device, where they can customize or tailor make their uh, uh, viewing options uh, to uh, again to enhance their experience. And so these are the types of uh, questions and more. Uh, that will be uh, teed up uh, this week. And um, I, I am looking forward to a robust and, of course, <laughs> um, a very colorful uh, conversation. Right. Uh, and for regular consumers who want to be a part of this conversation, what, are, uh, what should they do? Should they you know, uh, comment on the proposed rulemaking when that comes down? Or wh- how should regular people get involved in this process, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, one of the things that I will encourage them to do if, if they have access is to uh, look at the conversation that we will have on, on Thursday. Uh, we, w- we will tee up the item, and within a, a, usually a couple of days, the item will be available for uh, the, uh, anyone uh, to, to, to read and to have the opportunity, if they choose, to weigh in. Everyone has an opportunity uh, to take part in this. This is an open process. And this is the one thing that I really appreciate that I don't think uh, we get enough credit for. This is very much interactive. We are not changing or proposing anything in a vacuum. The public, the companies, every interested, uh, the programmers have the opportunity uh, to weigh in. Uh, If you want um, you, your voices to be heard. Uh, we are allowing uh, 
multiple platforms for you to do so. You can do it the old-fashioned way by writing a letter. You can go online, whatever the uh, means of your choosing. Um, if you care about, um, you know, this item, if you want your voice to be heard, I en encourage uh, uh, people who feel strongly about this uh, to weigh in. We're giving you every opportunity to do so. So uh, the National Hispanic Media Coalition uh, is, is really looking at this issue through a lot of different lenses. That's Michael Scarato. Vice President of Policy at the National Hispanic Media Coalition, a media and telecommunications advocacy group for Latinos. I reached out to Michael because I wanted a fuller understanding of what kind of societal impact might be felt as a result of the introduction of cheaper set-top boxes. It's one thing to be excited in the abstract about cheaper set-top boxes, but it's quite another to actually appreciate how much high rental fees affect everyday people. This money, $231 a year, um, you know, that will hit a lot of different families in a lot of different ways. Uh, and, you know, for us, you know, we know that the, uh, the Latino community, uh, which often finds itself in, in, in uh, more pressing financial uh, situations than, than other communities, um, yet are still avid uh, consumers of cable content, could put that money towards a lot of other a lot of other important things, and indeed that may even be money going back to the cable company to pay for, uh, you know, a better programming package or a programming package that contains more content that will, uh, you know, be culturally, culturally relevant and speak to their needs. So that's at the heart of it for us. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, I, I sort of get the feeling that a lot of folks online, they don't really have... They haven't really internalized the fact that you know, it, you know, uh, a rental paying a rental fee for a cable box is is like you just said. It's not it's not something that affects people equally. Uh, some people are able to you know you know they'll pay the two hundred two what is it two hundred thirty dollars a year. You know that's no that's no big deal to them. But without realizing that that's you know a significant amount of money to people who who otherwise would have like you said they would have other better things to put that money towards. You know whether that's that's you know additional cable programming or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's 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 real money, and I don't really get the sense that a lot of people have sort of uh, you know really understand that. Yeah, you know, and 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 I think part of it is that um, uh, you know uh, at, uh, some who uh, would oppose this issue, particularly um, you know folks in the industry, they they take a look at the market that we have today, or the lack of a market that we have today. I'd argue, uh, and they say, well, you know. Even if even if you do get a TiVo, which is our kind of status quo competitive option right now, based on an old hardware technology called cable card, right. uh, hey, even if you get that, you're still paying a few hundred dollars up front, and you know ten, fifteen dollars a month for the service. You see, we are envisioning a world where those aren't your only two options, uh, and maybe a handful of other ones where. Anybody can come in and, and, you know, it doesn't even have to be a piece of hardware. It could be an app, um, you know, the, the, that will then pull down cable content that you can access on a mobile device, um, you know. And, and if it is a piece of hardware that you connect to your TV, which is understandably the way that a lot of people want to access their video content, uh, maybe it's a uh, one of those one of these little HDMI sticks that costs thirty dollars rather and and no monthly fees beyond what you're paying your cable company already for the programming. Um, you know, so there and moreover, it, this could even uh, amount to a situation uh, which I think a lot of folks would would enjoy, where 
you don't have a box or a piece of hardware at all. You know, smart TVs could have an app built in uh, where you just have your TV and it has an app that could be designed by any number of uh, competitive applications developers and it would pull down your cable content, your channel lineup, the information about the programming, you know, all the packages that you pay for will be right there on your TV set without needing to plug it into anything else. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that part of the, the reason that uh, it's, it's tough to conceptualize, uh, you know, what, what this could, could look like and, and the real uh, cost savings that consumers could realize as a part of this is because the type of innovation that we think this could open up, um, you know, could, could really change the way that folks are, are consuming content. And do you do you guys envision any sort of changes, perhaps in programming that may stem? You know, let's say, you know, the, let's say the FCC goes through the process. You know, the comment period and it's passed. You know, let's say a year from now, uh, and it's on the books and it's law. Uh, do you guys sort of envision any sort of uh, maybe programming changes that that may occur? What sort of ramifications do you think there may be if the if you know if consumers are able to you know purchase and own their own set top box. Do you do you sort of see a a chance for a more diverse uh, you know lineup of programming given that more and more people will have access to cable and it sort of it sort of follows that you know if more and more people have access to cable well then maybe these people will start you know demanding uh, you know they'll they'll be an active audience and maybe you know there will be more programming for them. Is that something that you guys hope to see happen or or what are your sort of thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we certainly hope that opening up this market could create new opportunities for independent and diverse content creators. Um, what we're what we're seeing today uh, in in the way the way that this this landscape is currently set up is you have a handful of uh, cable networks that, that that serve people of color, uh, and they you know they've fought and, and clawed their way onto. Uh, a certain cable system or a number of cable systems. What you also see uh, on the internet is thousands to perhaps millions of independent content creators that are using platforms like like YouTube or or uh, other types of platforms to you know bring content to an audience uh, with very low barriers to to entry to doing that. Um, and this content in many cases, has been finding an audience. I mean, either there are constantly articles written about um, how the uh, racial and ethnic makeup of top YouTube stars uh, is, is you know, much different than the racial and ethnic makeup that you might see on, let's say, the uh, Academy Awards nominations or, uh, you know, the, the current TV lineup that you have. Yeah, just turn on so, primetime TV and, you know, there you go. It, Exactly. So, you know, we see this as potentially being a way that uh, content creators could have a number of different paths to their the uh, eyeballs of their audience. So what comes next in all of this? The FCC will, for the next month, accept public comments on the proposal, seeking insight from likes of cable companies and everyday Americans on the current state of the set-top box market, such as it is. Following this will be a two-month period of reply comments. Comments about comments, basically. And after that, the FCC will take into account the comments and reply comments to write the order. There's no strict timeline for this, but since it's customary for the FCC chairman to step down following presidential election, it's likely all of this will be wrapped up in less than a year. Here's hoping. I'm Nicholas DeLeon, the editor of Short Circuit, Motherboard's consumer tech section, and this is Radio Motherboard.